And Yo, we're live and we're live and we're live. Welcome oh God, to the to the Diran Diran Cartel. Tell. Okay, guys, welcome to episode twenty-two of the Diran Cartel show. And today I've got a very good friend of mine, Mr. Nico Garcia. ¿Cómo estás, Nico? Muy bien, gracias, señor. ¿Cómo estás? Uh, sí. Uh... La gente está muy loca. ¿no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's going on. Yeah, I'm good, bro. I'm good. I'm good. How's things? I don't know. Yeah, good, man. You know, it's like now it's it, today. It felt nice. You know, I've, I've been like feeling positive, feeling good energy all day today. Just because you go outside and people are people are out, people are at restaurants, seeing people sitting in cafes. You know, it's just it just feels like a bit more normal now. Yeah, that's, I know. that's, that's what's good. And um, you got a bear in your hand? Yeah, it's been glued yes. to my hand since 6 a.m. actually, like this. Same, same. <laughs> I've got one as well. This, I think this is the first podcast I'm actually doing with a beer. So, cheers. Well, you have to do it with an we're Australian. We've got, we got Bluetooth in it. Bluetooth cheers, in it? Through the That's camera it. and that. Ideally, uh, for you guys that are listening, I wanted to do this in a studio. Like, when I bring in my friends and everything, I want to do it in a studio where we're having a drink, having a bit of laugh. But today an exception but we will do another one in the studio and for you guys that don't know nick yet you you would have seen him through my socials he's a great strength and conditioning coach and he's actually the first friend that i made in australia around how many years ago now bro bro almost 10 years almost 10 years it's that long bro almost. that's crazy that's crazy yeah. Yeah. we're getting old you know i know <laughs> that was like man i had a fringe you're getting old you know what i mean because your hairline is going back by the day big man <laughs> i know i know i need to go to turkey get it sorted out you know yeah, don't worry. <laughs> I've, got, I've got i've got i've got a connect i've got a connect for you so when me and nick uh, when me and nick first uh linked up so this is what happens um i started working in a fitness first i was 19 at the time and you were 18 yeah you were 18 at the time and this is when I first started working in the gym and it was in Australia in an area called Castle Hill in the western suburbs of Sydney. I'm right, yeah? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> I got a job in the gym, not as a PT, not as a floor instructor, as a receptionist. And uh, believe it or not, the only reason I wanted to be a receptionist is so I can actually have like a free gym membership. Is that why you, is that why you did it as well? Look, it was a good perk. It was a good perk, so yeah. And, there, and it was always like, Fitness First Australia, there's always fit birds, man. hundred <clears throat> percent. You know what I mean? So it was like a, it was like a no show. And the first day I started, um, Nick, it was a Saturday shift. And usually they have a, a lot of people at reception because Saturday morning classes are very busy. The area that we were living in was a very like yummy mummy sort of area, right? So the classes were packed and there was a lot of PTs, a lot of one-to-one sessions. And me and Nick were like the face of uh, reception pretty much. And the first day I started and uh, Nick was there. What was your first impression? I want to, this is what I want to know, actually. Well, before Darren came in, I sort of ran the reception. That was like my thing, you know. And I saw <laughs> this guy come in. I thought, some bloke's going to try and steal my, steal my thunder, you know, going to try and take over my space. But then I heard that stupid Pommy accent. I thought, fuck, I feel sorry for this bloke. I better help him out, you know. I better, better make sure he's all right. And uh, But no, then like... It, yeah, we just got on well. We just got on really well. Yeah, we really got well. on well. So, like, bruv, you're saying stupid Pommy accent. You know, there's a lot of UK listeners, bruv. They're coming for you after this. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, uh, so when I did start, uh, Nick actually, um, which was quite weird to me. I was like, I don't know if you remember this, but when we, you asked me if I play football, and I was like, yeah, of course I play football. That's, like, all I want to do. 
and your brother was playing football at the time. Yeah. Right. Nick's got this very big family. He's like very complicated, very huge family, bigger than a lot bigger than mine. There's like how many? How many siblings? I got five brothers, two sisters. Bruv, your 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 pops was he was he was active. <laughs> hey, it's the Latin blood, bro. That's what happens. That's there what you happens. go. That's exactly right. And um, so when he met, he was like, "Hey, do you wanna do you wanna come play um, football with my brother?" And I was like, "Okay, whatever." I gave him my number. I didn't expect to call or anything. Literally a few hours later, Gav, his brother, like, rings me and he's like, hey, Darren, would you want to come play football? Now, what I'm thinking is, who the fuck is this guy ringing my phone? I've never even met it because I was like, everyone's always like, Australians are very friendly. Australians are very friendly, but I didn't expect it to that level. So I'm, I, I appreciate that a lot because where I was at that time in my life, I had nobody in the s- suburbs of Sydney. And Nick, since that day, has been a very good friend of mine and someone that's kind of, we always stay in touch, always stay in touch. And um, he now lives in London because of me. I'm going to say because of me. <laughs> because Came of to me. follow him. I followed him. Well, yeah. technically, it is because of you. So <laughs> technically, 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 uh, yeah. technically. All right, let's just drop it down. Quick little 10 seconds. I lined him up with a, a very beautiful client of mine. They ended up getting together. He chased her over to London. And then she broke his heart. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> nah, nah, it wasn't like that. It wasn't no, I'm like joking. That. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, so talk to me, bro. What are you doing at the minute? Are you, um, I know, for, so he, Nick is a strength and conditioning coach and has worked with clubs, worked with a lot of athletes, worked with a lot of youth athletes and still is doing a lot of one-to-one uh, at the minute in London, all over London, but mainly in Baker Street and also for... Bodyism. Bodyism body- in Notting Hill. Yeah. But um, yeah, look, to be honest with you now, with, with what happened with coronavirus, I'm, I've, yeah, I've, I've um, given my notice in to finish work at Baker Street. So I'm not going to be going back to Fitness First uh, once the gyms reopen. Yeah. I've now got an online business running well enough that I've got you know, all online clients. And then I've built up my client base around where I live. So I've got yeah. a lot of home visits as well. And um yeah it's just adapting with the times adapting with the things that happen and and it's kind of good because i don't have to go back to um a gym where i'm paying rent and uh yeah Yeah. you know it's it's not nice to take out 320 pounds of your pocket every single week yeah which which isn't cheap but like there'll be a lot of personal trainers listening to this and um i always tell personal trainers especially new ones because you know you know what it's like you know when we started in the fitness industry because we did we started from like reception right and we started from reception, we all the way to cleaning treadmills and then working your way up to a floor instructor and everything. And um, now, like, personal trainers, they get qualified in, like, six weeks, bro, right? You can go from not training at all, getting fully qualified as a personal trainer and having the ability, legally having um, the certificate to be able to coach someone in a gym, right? And for me, I'm like, shit, that, that is not... Number one, that's not right. Number two, it should be a little bit harder for personal trainers to get qualified to be able to train now what was your first uh approach into going in as a self-employed personal trainer because were you worried about the rent what was it like because you started yeah that that was yeah of course it's like it's it's something uh, yeah i started in melbourne that was right so i was i went from reception in sydney then I moved to Melbourne, but at that time I was doing my, my undergraduate university degree. So I was studying, I went to Melbourne to study um, exercise sports science. Yeah. And I, I had my qualification, like my PT qualification. So then 
I was like, well, I might as well work as a PT while I'm studying. And yeah, no, it was. It, that was one of the most nerve wracking things, you know, going into a contract where you're paying in Aussie dollars. I think there is like 400. Yeah. I think it was a week. Fitness first was like 400 to 450 dollars yeah. a week. So it's not cheap, you know, it's not, it's not saying like, you, you, you know, yeah, it's not cheap. That, yeah. That's, let's put it like that. So it was initially quite like, uh, yeah, I was quite nervous to get into it, but it makes you step up. And, yeah. and that's like a, a, something that I, I totally live by, you know, that if you, you can't always be comfortable. And yeah. I think you, you say it a lot as well. It's, you can't just be comfortable in what you're doing all the time. You need to push yourself. You need to put yourself in situations that are risky, that, yeah. that, are, that you're not used to, um, yeah. because it will force you to step up. It will challenge you. And, and yeah. if you fail, you're going to learn from it. If you succeed, well, that's good. Then you push on, right? Exactly. So, exactly. And at the same time, you, you were quite busy when you got into self-employed PT, right? In Melbourne. Yeah. How Man, many sessions was, were you doing? Well, so initially it was... Uh, yeah, I had to build it up, right? But yeah. um, I was just busy because I was doing my undergrad. Yeah. I was running my business. Plus, I started a business with junior athletes. And then yeah. I was interning for, um, for, a, for a rugby union club too. So it was, yeah, it was all going on. But, um, but again, like it, it, it made me and, and shaped me to, to be the trainer and, and the person I am. And, and yeah, yeah like, I, I, I thrived in that. Like I liked yeah. being in those pressure situations. I liked yeah working hard and um and i was doing what i love i was doing what i loved so yeah it, it was good with um with someone like yourself the the main reason like i think you're such you're a great coach and i know that because i've seen it and uh i think one of the reason that is number one when you were studying for your uh when you were at uni and to become an snc coach you were also coaching people on the gym floor at the same time yeah. which is which is something in the UK that I've realized a lot of people that are studying sports science and everything, maybe in Australia as well, I'm not too sure, but that is all they do, like in the classroom or practicals with each other or maybe with youth athletes or whatever. They don't actually, they're not as practical as say someone is on the gym floor because there's been, how many times have you worked in a gym and someone fresh out of uni has come onto the gym floor and they have no idea? Yeah, it's, and it happens a lot. It happens a lot. And, it, yeah. and I think you see it more in, you see it more in like the elite sports setting. Definitely. I had, when I was, when I interned with um, the AFL, while I was working with the AFL in Melbourne. Yeah. I saw it, I saw it straight away. There was like two, three coaches that were working with me who had never actually worked in a gym before or probably hadn't really trained, hadn't trained many people. And you can tell, you can tell the way that they, like the, the way they deal with the athletes, where they talk to people, yeah. you know, that, that is, that is more than like 70, 80% of the actual, of the game. I think, you know, it's, right. if you, if you're, if you're studying uh, to be, uh, to work in sport, elite sport, or to studying to be a personal trainer, even if you know every single thing in the book you're studying, if you know every single bit of your course of your subject, until you get actual experience, practical experience with people, it's, it's not going to be, it's worthless. It's totally worthless. Right. You don't know how to, everybody is different. Like I think that that is the biggest part of my journey that I learned is that, yeah, I mean, my degree was good. It, it helped me learn training principles and, and yeah. understand basic science and that sort of stuff. That was good. But yeah. actually like, explaining that to 
your clients explaining it to people that you're training is another thing. You know, you can't tell them, oh yeah, these are, um, I don't know, these are the, what's in a cell. Mitochondria does this. They're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? I just want yeah. to lose fat. You know, like what is this crap? They don't care. So we've got, you've got to find a way to be relatable. You've got to find a way to speak these people's language and doesn't matter what you know, un unless you, you can translate in a way that they understand it's irrelevant. It's redundant. Yeah. This is, this is where I was having this conversation with Graham who, you know, Graham Morris. Yeah. And um, I think knowing the science and knowing the training principle of how you're coaching and what you're coaching your clients and what you're training is very important. But the problem is um, getting sometimes a simple message on a certain personality type can be very challenging for people. And what people don't realize is for each individual, especially if you're doing one-to-one -one, and if you're in a team sport and you're coaching um, a team, uh, a group of 10 athletes, you need to be able to adapt to those people and coach in a way that they understand. So I guess that's more so about like the art of coaching, right? Yeah. And yeah, go on, go ahead. This is, this is like a good example I can give. And it's one that I, I just had to experience myself is um, I was at uni and, and all of our classes, all of our practical classes were so like technical when you're throwing around big, big words and it sounded really cool and fancy and stuff. And you're like, oh yeah, my, you know, like my tutor obviously knows so much. He's saying like all these big, big names and big words. Yeah. And at that time, like I was saying to you, I had um, this business with junior athletes. Yeah. Now I had to then figure out a way to get yeah. my junior athletes to understand that I have kids. I'm training kids like 12, 13 years old. They're not going to care if I say to them, you know, hypertrophy, this yeah. you know, strength gains, this, this is the strength curve, speed, strength, force, acceleration, blah, blah. They don't yeah, care yeah. about any of that. Yeah. You know? So it's, you have to, you have to see, you have to figure out who you're training, who you're working with and then relate everything to them. You cannot use the same coaching cues for every single person. They have, they, they they're going to differ. They, it's yeah. going to change your explanation of the reasonings why you're doing things are going to change. You know? Yeah. Um, especially like, you know, sometimes you would have experienced this as well when you're coaching. Sometimes, sometimes uh, when I was on the gym floor, I wouldn't say anything. I would like, depending on a person, I would like point to their knee or even just tap their knee with a stick I had and they would know exactly what to do. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas if you might, some people, even when I'm teaching someone a squat, the first thing I do is like, okay, let me see you squat. And some PTs used to be like, what are you not going to do? And um, you're not going to analyze first their movement before you put them into a squat. I'm like, motherfucker this person is 20 years old i'm sure they can get down to the floor and back up and if they can't we'll figure it out i'm not going to make them do a 100 kg back squat am i but i'll give them a stick i'll give them a goblet squat i'll give them something see how they move see if their ankle mobility is good see if their yeah. hips are tight see if what their knee flexion's like whatever and i feel like sometimes knowing too much science is also a bad thing in a way and i'm not trying to say this to like um obviously not to belittle any no smart individuals because if it wasn't for really really smart individuals i know i wouldn't be where i am today even you like i when i have a training principle uh question i come and ask you i'll go and ask graham morris or i'll go and ask uh all my other mentors and people that i know that are that know training principles more in depth 
than I do. But sometimes knowing too much can make us like a little bit anxious and a little bit, because you overcalculate, don't you? Yeah. Well, this, this, this is another thing that um, is like quite an interesting, yeah, people have to take this on, you know, you, I think general pop people, athletes, everyone has to take this on. There's a, there's a million ways to skin a cat. There's so many different ways we can build strength, lose fat, get faster, get, get, uh, build up muscle. You know, yeah. there isn't just one way to do everything. You know, yeah. there's so many different ways. Now with that, there's people come out with new ideas all the time. You know, there's researchers finding, finding yeah. new ways to do things all the time. They're disproving, training principles yeah. and methods and they're finding new principle trainings and methods to do things, yeah. you know? So, um, th those researchers, yeah, that's their job to, to find out they test and they, and, um, yeah, they're, do they're doing the research. Yeah. Now we as coaches, yeah, we can read that and understand it. But like I said, you, you need to know how to, how to actually adapt that and take that onto the, to what your clientele base is like and understand yeah. it. And I think that's, yeah. that's something that, is lacking a little bit. People want to like repost, um, like a, let's say like a study, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. People want to repost a study and say, Oh, look at this. They found this. Okay. Well, yeah. But does it actually apply to like what you're doing with your clients or does it? Bro, do you know what annoys me about this? Yeah. When people do that about studies, you know, every time like I read a study and I'm like, Oh shit, that sounds right. The only reason I know that sounds right, bro, is from my experience on the gym floor. That's right. And this is the problem. I'll get this. Uh, some, it annoys me, bruv. Sometimes I get people like, uh, but does this, uh, have you read this study on it? I'm like, motherfucker, you haven't even trained anyone. I'm like, don't, don't show me no study. I'm like, I don't need to see a study. I've trained. Like, how many hours have you coached in your life? Thousands of hours. Yeah. Right. So, you know, when someone like certain people respond to some things, other people respond to high volume. Some people respond to low volume. You know, obviously your genetic plays a big part in that, but also new adaptations your body has to adapt to and all of that shit whereas some people get so stuck in to studies and case studies and all of this stuff and i'm a bit like okay well i don't care because my client got results doing this exactly that but that's you know? it isn't it yeah but that that's totally it and the same the same thing with like yes it's all posted over social media and instagram and that sort of thing it's the same stuff you know there's i see all different kinds of drills and and crazy acrobatics you got some guys doing a single leg jump landing on his middle toe and you're like all right cool that's sweet but like are you actually going to use that in your sport you know how and is then, it relative how is it yeah. relative and then you got you got your athletes who train come up to you saying or like even just general pop being like oh yeah cool i saw this person do like an upside down burpee like can we do that and you're like well is it really necessary yeah. No, is it is that what you want is it really do we really need to be doing that and those things are like cool impressive yeah like, I'm, I'm not saying they're not but people who are, who are just into fitness and you need to understand as well as coaches just as well as coaches that like all those things that you see on instagram that people do most of the time they're not really relevant to you exactly. and maybe like the elite of the elite need to do those things but like you as an amateur athlete or a general yeah. pop person, you probably don't need it. But, do but you know what the mad thing is? Like, <clears throat> I've got a lot of friends that are elite athletes. I've trained a few. You've trained a lot of elite athletes. Don't you think like they even they they don't take it they don't take it to the extent that some general pop yeah to take it. 
you, I think I think people would be surprised. I think a lot of people would be surprised if they actually saw what it is like in an elite training program. Like if if it's not that crazy, is it? It's not. It's, <laughs> you it's don't not. you don't have like really crazy stuff. You no. might you you maybe have like someone do a, a really impressive movement or jump or something, and and somebody films it and puts it on Instagram, and then it's a yeah, it's, it's a big and thing. You, right? And you think and you think and you expect. Um, I don't know, like every other athlete to be able to do what that That's person right. did. And yeah, this is it's... the mad thing, you know? And like, even, even when I played, um, even when I went to Turkey, like when I was going on trial and stuff for football, when, when I was on trial for first team clubs, I was really nervous. <clears throat> I was nervous because I was like, I'm not good enough. Like these guys are going to be way more athletic. They're going to be stronger than me. But they weren't. Yeah. They weren't. And I was like in my head. And now I know why my dad was always like, Diren, you're better just just go and play but i never actually knew that and until i saw it and i was like shit the athletes are not that like because people some of these athletes get paid so much money you expect them to be like gods yeah 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 you know and then when you realize you're like oh hello yeah go on. Well, it's even it's even like when you look at like i don't I, someone told me the other day of someone currently well, there's a few players currently in the premier league but if you look at, I'm, I'm going to use Michael Jordan as an example. Basketball is my sport, but Michael Jordan was never really someone who loved the weight room. He didn't like strength Bro. conditioning. He, he thought it was, he didn't, he didn't rate it. But the guy is like the best player to ever play the sport. Bro, and I, even, even, um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, what's this sprinter's name? Uh, Usain Bolt. Yeah. Usain Bolt was another, another good example. He's another guy that doesn't really like lifting, doesn't like weights. But yeah. if you look at, yeah, some other coaches will tell you, well, oh, you know, he needs to be doing strength conditioning training to get faster. Bro, he's the yeah. fastest person to ever walk Bro, this earth. <laughs> you know what? First, first of all, like that Jordan documentary was absolutely crazy, right? Oh, mental. That was like, his work rate is unbelievable. And you know what? Forget all the period, periodizing with training and all the specific stuff. His work rate and hard work was the only reason he was the best. That mindset. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's crazy. Like, you can't replicate that. That's something you can't, you can't train, you know, no. like either you've got that in you yeah. to, to like persevere, 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 or you, you just don't. Yeah. You see, and the mad thing is that you do see that in kids as well. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm hundred percent sure. Like, okay. Again, this is not me talking about studies from my own experiences, but I swear this passes on genetically. Like th that mindset is like, I know I, I've got that mindset of my, what my dad has. I know that for a fact, like he's got that immigrant hustle. And even like when I see some people and I look at their kids, I'm like, he's exactly like his dad and his dad's a lazy fucker. <laughs> and, and you can see it sometimes, you know, and obviously I'm not saying everyone's like that, but um, there are times like that, but that Jordan documentary, right? Oh mate, that was mad. But what you were saying about Bolt, yeah. this is what I wanted to say. You know how people always talk about, oh, if you're flat-footed, um, you're not the fastest person and all of this stuff. Usain Bolt has got the flattest foot on earth and he's the fastest person, right? Do you know something, right? At the moment, I'm seeing so much stuff come out about this and I, I, I saw this Jordan uh, analysis a long time ago about how Jordan moves and, and used to dribble and cross over and stuff. And it's if you look at it from like, uh, a movement sort of performance perspective, you would say like, oh, it's incorrect. It's like, you know, an injury, uh, an injury prevention nightmare. Like it's, he's, he's going to injure himself at some point, but he was one of the most least injured players ever. Right. Yeah. 
and he's someone that moved people would be like oh that's terrible like would could, could criticize his movement but the guy was never injured the guy was the best player Usain Bolt I saw an analysis on his sprinting the other day the guy doesn't sprint like what we teach running mechanics like well yeah. what sprinting running mechanics is like right yeah. and and he he doesn't he doesn't run the way that that uh we would uh traditionally teach it you know, but yeah. he's the fastest guy ever. Ronaldo, another one. I saw, I saw a, uh, an, anal- an analysis on his movement recently. Yeah. And the guy runs like, I mean, he looks, he actually looks quite funny when he runs. Like he looks weird, but mate, he's, he's like the, one of the best players ever play the game. Bro, so it, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally, now I'm, I'm, well, I've been flipping it for a while, but now I'm more and more um, relaxed on like, how much I change a people's movements. You want yeah. to like promote the way that they move. If, if they're moving in a way that doesn't hurt them, you know? Yes. This that's, is, that's, that's it. I am. Um, I remember I had a client bro. Um, his squat was really good. His squat was really good. And he, he's like, he was, his progress in his squat was great. Uh, strength was increasing. The movement was good, but something looks a bit awkward. And he's like, doing, I need to fix this. And I'm like, are you in pain? He's like, no. I'm like, is it affecting your performance? No. So why do we need to fix it? You know, and I, and, I, and I had this conversation with my physio because every time I got injured, I used to go to my physio and then I kept going to him to like learn more and all that stuff. And most physios, well, good ones that I've listened to have always said to me, if there's no pain and if it's working, then don't try and fix it because we're all, all our anatomy is different, right? Yeah. You know, like the way my hip structure, like someone from Turkey, for example, you get good weightlifters from Turkey, right? Yeah. Our hip structure genetically is pretty decent. Same as um, uh, Turkmenistan and all those weightlifters in that region. Like genetically, they're good for weightlifting, right? It's funny, actually. That's what Graham was like. Doing, you shouldn't have played football. He goes, you should have done another sport. He goes, you should have done like AFL or something, <laughs> something yeah. like that. But like, imagine a you... Turkish AFL player. God, that would be uh, that'd be crazy, bro. But that game is confusing, though, Nick. Man, how the hell do you? Like, wh- there's like four goals, bro. Which one do you go to? Yeah, look, it's <laughs> it is confusing, but they are amazing athletes. They're they're. They are actually insane. I've, know, ne- I've never, I've never, that's the, that's the sport where like those athletes yeah. are the most athletic because they have to be good at everything. It's What's their, do you know any of their statistics? Like how much they run? Hey, there's a, there, so yeah, we, I, I was a um, data analysis for the AFL and for, Was that, um, was that, did you mean data, mate? Was that data, mate? Data, mate, data. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about that later. So, um, yeah, so we were looking at um, average meters covered in a game or like speeds covered in a game, that sort of stuff, and comparing yeah. them between games and that sort of stuff. I think, so the midfield position is the position that players run the most. I'm not an AFL player myself. I just, yeah. like, I'm only coaching. Yeah. And um, on average, per game, an average midfield in the a- AFL runs between like 18 to 20 kilometers a game. Isn't that insane? How 18, many, to, 18 get, to 20 kilometers a game. And that's not, that's not one pace. That's, that's, no, that's yeah, it's different paces, but like, yeah, different, different, uh, different speeds, speed. but in the entire game they cover is 18 to 20 kilometers. Isn't that ridiculous? Bro, that is agility, endurance, power, strength, jumping. Oh, mate, that's mad. 
yeah, insane. But yeah, it's um, if you've never seen it, if you've never seen it, and you watch it on TV, you think, what the hell is going on? It must be yeah. like, but yeah, they are they're athletes, complete athletes. It's probably um, because with Australians, uh, I've noticed like with most sports, um, they're not really, they're not really fanatic, but. I've heard with AFL is probably the most because I thought because yeah. in Sydney in New South Wales it's rugby league. Yeah, so that that's probably the most dominant sport in rugby league in, in New South Wales, and then in Victoria, uh, Melbourne, there's AFL. AFL would dominate, but um, yeah, yeah, AFL is a big sport there. Big, big AFL would dominate. So when you um when you've trained you've trained athletes, you've trained people that a general population as well. Do you find that they have similar problems or no? Uh, look, the the de- definitely the training that you use for elite athletes, the the basic principle pulls of it are transferable to general pop, are transferable to amateur athletes, definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. But everyone's on different levels. Everyone's on a different, um, on a grade scheme. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, it's it's the same when you get someone who's only very very new to the gym, and you say, okay, well, let's do a box squat as opposed yeah. to doing an overhead barbell squat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, These, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing when you're applying your coaching. All I do, when I do my preseason training for, let's say, a basketball player who's probably trying to get a bit bigger and, and as in put on size, um, increase their speed, increase their strength, um, yeah. I could do that with general pop too. You know? And it, it doesn't have to be the exact same training program but the principles are the same like the, the principles yeah. of trying to build strength are the same principles trying to build hypertrophy are the same yeah what's the um, the main difference is is it is it the intensity the volume like is it the main the main difference well sorry between the athletes and general pop the main difference no I, I don't think so much it's it's like well it's intensity because to one extent obviously an elite athlete can tolerate higher intensities and higher loads than yeah what you think than an amateur or, or a general pop person but um that's still it's all relative you know like for like we're saying you know someone who's fresh to the gym never trained anything before if you give them a 10 kilo dumbbell and do a goblet squat they might think that's the hardest thing they've ever done yeah you know? but that for them is the hardest thing that's like their 10 out of 10 at the moment so if that's yeah. what that is then you've got to do that you got to start with that but yeah, yeah. the the principle is the same so like, let's say i've got an elite athlete who's trying to put on trying to put on size and I've got a guy who comes in, he's like, you know, I've never trained before, but I want to put in a bit of muscle. And I say, okay, cool. Let's see how you squat. Never squatted before. All right, cool. Let's get a 10 kilo dumbbell, do some goblets. And he's finding that hard. He's getting doms from that with my elite athlete. I might be getting him on a front squat doing hundred kilo front squat for, you know, 10 reps, yeah. four sets. And he, that's what his highest intensity is, but the yeah. principles are still the same, you know, like yeah. the, it's, it's, yeah, the difficulty of the exercises changes, but the principles are still the same. You know, I'm not going to lie, bro. If I'd done a 10-kilo goblet squat right now, I'd probably get my legs as well, man. I've been suffering yeah. without the gym. It's mad, didn't it? But, like, oh, you know, so <clears throat> same. We, I reckon we're nearly there, though. I reckon we're nearly there. I know Australia's, mate, they're ahead, man. I'm a bit jealous of Australia, but it's all good. But what I was going to say was, with, um, for example, taking a gym athlete across to a field sport, right? And uh, an example I would say is, I, I just did a 5K run, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I did it in 20, 24 minutes, right? Hashtag athlete, you know? That time, yeah, go on. <laughs> and I have to create force to be able to run that at a good pace, right? Yeah. Okay. And 
I feel my legs feel okay from that. But if I was to now, if I was to do a, uh, if I was to do a squat this morning with like 60 kg, because I haven't done it for a period of time, my doms would be through the roof. And I think a lot of general population and a lot of coaches, when coaching people don't understand well enough how to manage clients intensity yeah and volume for example like i'm not gonna lie i've done it before where i've gone <laughs> oh you know what i'm gonna do two heavy squats today like two i'm gonna do like uh wave loading i'm gonna do like six reps four reps two reps good intensity to fire my fast twitch muscle fibers before i had a game that same night right how dumb is that yeah, but this is what you, I mean, I've done, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm a culprit of that as well. You know, everybody does stuff like that. You make mistakes and you learn from them, but yeah, it's, it's, you're right. There are coaches out there that um, are overtraining, overloading, not only their clients, but themselves. Um, yeah. I've had, I've had people come to me, you know what, in particular, the ones where I saw it was more from the, those kids that I was training and, and well, young men that I was training coming from the basketball system in the U S Yeah. because in the U S dude, the, the training system there is relentless. It's like every really? day you're in the gym, every day you're on the court playing and it's, that's, that's it. You like, you, you've got to recover yourself. Like they don't care. They don't care. It's like you're really? going. Yeah. So what when they it? come back, Go on, go on. Yeah, when they came when when they came back to Australia to train with me, it was kind of like, all right, Nick, we need to get in the gym every day. And then I'm, but they're playing like four days a week, and you're like, whoa, you know, like hold on a second, hold on a second. But you but, know what? D don't you think? But how? Well, hold on. So your athletes went to America, mm. and then came back, and the intensity over there. But what is their what's their injury stats like? Yeah, but that. So okay, I tell you a story. Right, I had this kid who I prepped him to go over to play college right he or high school at that time i think so he went over and he played i think the start of the season and then he did his acl in the season during the season yeah and because because the load is just like so and we just we, we weren't used to that back in australia they, they play like twice a week in australia in the u.s they're playing like three or four times like i said plus doing team training sessions in the gym like if you're not ready for that, it's, it's hard. So he did his ACL, came back. We uh, fixed his, we'll fix him up after his surgery, got him good again. And then I had to like, yeah, I had to get him ready again for the next season. He went back. Now he hasn't had an injury since, but still like it's, it, it is just, it's just very different. I think it would be different here to the UK as well. Like the, the yeah. well, for basketball, I'm not sure about me for football. I know football is big here, but I don't yeah. know what it'd be like there, but yeah, um, even like American football, the, the the intensity there is just insane. You know what sounds mad? Um, it's probably a lot of people would probably disagree with me. Maybe some SNC coaches would disagree with me. But you know all the kids and that that get injured when that sort of stuff happens. I feel like they kind of get rid of the weakest. So like it's like survival of the fittest. It's, it sounds mad, but like, because that athlete obviously is not used to that sort of intensity and progressively overloading that much and that, that frequently. That is why they get injured, right? Majority of the time. Because when you do SNC, when you do strength and conditioning, you do it to what? Majority of the time Pre to not get injured. Yeah, prevent injury is really the underlying reason. Yeah, I would say, yes. Right? So would, would in essence, 
with that sort of mentality they have in America, which I kind of like, but also kind of don't. Yeah. Is it better because it builds stronger foundations from a young yeah. age? I, I agree. I think, but that, but that's, I think was a problem in, in Australia in particular. I don't know about here in the UK. I'm not, I'm not really too familiar with the like grassroots sort of junior level, um, what they do, the system, but yeah. in Australia, it's like, it's soft. still, it, yeah, no, it's, it's soft in a sense of, yeah, well, it is soft. It's like you get participation awards, but it's soft, soft in a soft sense up. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's soft in a sense of like the actual intensity of the training sessions. And even in the gym, do you know, like, the kid, the, like kids that I was training, I'd have to like convince their parents, like it's okay for them to like be training with me. And to, they think that they think like being in the gym, parents think that, you know, if your kid goes to the gym, he's going to be doing like, you know, clean and clean and jerks like first week, yeah. but you know, you, no, I'm not going to get your six year old to do clean and jerks first week. Like, yeah. Calm down. But, um, but, but yeah, that's, that's, I think is a problem is, is it's a bit soft. It's not, the mentality is not there to like push the kid. But again, like you said, I th- it comes, it comes with a bit of not all positive. It comes with a bit of negative because I feel like in the U S you might get pushed so far that mentally you break. There's lots of kids that like mentally break or they're pushed to like to the extremes and then they can never recover, you know, but, um, yeah, the truth is is not, not everyone's built to, no, that's right. And everyone's built for it, man. I see it all the, like I used to see it a lot. I, I use these kids as an example because it's something that I worked with a lot back home and it's the best to see, it's the best to see compare things. So I had kids who on the court were amazing, you know, yeah. like on the court, these kids were phenomenal, putting up like 30, 40 points. Um, yeah. Dominating. And then they get in the weight room in the gym and it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's seriously like you had a 65 year old woman come in who's never lifted before and try to get yeah. them to move, you know, and you're yeah. like, how did, how did, does this happen? You know, you've yeah, gone yeah, on the yeah, court yeah. and dominated and you're like, literally can't even pick yeah. the bar up. How's that work? But, and then, you know what? It's funny because those kids who were really good when they were young and they thought like, oh, I'm just so good. I don't need to actually be in the gym. I don't need to train. Yeah. I don't need to do that stuff. They've actually not really gone too far. And the other ones, who stay with me and like put in the work, yeah. went through all their court sessions, did all their training, went into the gym, did all their week lifting with me in the gym. They're the ones that have gone to college. They've played, you know, two, three years. They're, they're, they're the ones that are probably going to get pro contracts to go play yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. You know? have, you, have you got any athletes that made it to the NBA or anything like that? So I've, pl- I've trained a guy who plays in the NBA and then I train a guy, two guys that play in the NBL in the Australian Basketball League at the moment. Um, and then some of the kids that I train they're well, yeah, they, they'll, they'll be coming up soon. They'll be coming up soon. Ones that will get contracts go Euro league, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that, um, I feel like after a certain while, you know, when like, okay, for example, say me, say, give me as an example, I'm 25 years old, 25, not now, not now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Go on. Say when I was 25 years old, I've just started S and C at 25 to improve my athleticism right yeah. and okay say if i've never been exposed to resistance training so i've never been exposed to lifting yeah there is that element of uh, growth i'll get i'll probably become leaner probably become stronger from the muscle i put on and whatever but with motor skills and everything is it too late have i as my do you have to break down all my bad habits to the start and then go again 
Uh, See, that's, that's, a, yeah, that's a tough question. I think that's a tough question to answer because, again, it goes back to what we were talking about before of like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, about yeah. like, if yeah. you... But then I feel like if that if that way you're moving, if that not not broken system isn't actually helping you perform better, then yeah. maybe is it time to make it to, to, to try and change something up? Yeah. And then also the question is like, have you have you reached your your athletic potential? You know, everyone has one. Everyone's got a ceiling in which like, you know, this this is it. Like you're only going to get this strong. You're only going to get this fast. You know. <laughs> There's and then you hit and then you hit anabolics. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Unless with some of this help, you're uh, yeah. yeah, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna get there. But um, yeah, I think that's a really tough question to answer. Yeah. I it depends on the variables in it. I guess there's so many variables to that. Yeah, and also you know what else is the other thing? Unless you were coaching that person from when they were like youth all the way. So like, let's say for you, unless I knew you from when you were like 12 years old to when you were 25, and I got yeah. to see your growth. I, I don't know. I don't know how much better you've gotten. Yeah. If in the last five years you haven't really changed as a player, if you haven't got a better, then maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe that's as good as you're going to get. I, yeah, yeah it's, it's quite, I think it is quite a hard thing for coaches to, to pinpoint and yeah. to put on because if, you, if you've just gotten, let's say you just started working at a club like, yeah. um, at, at like a pro football club yeah. and you've gotten a bunch of players you, you've never coached before, yeah. how do you know which ones? are yeah. just getting better how do you know which ones have like yeah, reached yeah, their yeah, max yeah. potential you don't know do you um do you find that a lot of snc coaches get carried away with the snc side of things instead of the sport oh mate a hundred percent this is what pisses me off to no end actually like the sport the sport shit. is king and you know what this is something i wish i told myself when i was younger yeah you know hundred yeah, percent i i'm again like something that i learned over the years you know you you get you well you, you self-proclaim you're an snc coach and all of a sudden you start one of doing all these clean and single arm snatches and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. yeah, this is cool. This is going to get you faster and stronger and stuff. But like mm. in reality, the only way that person is going to get better at their sport is if they actually do their sport. So, this is, oh, I say this all so, the time, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think there's, it, it, it has to be balanced. You know, it has to be balanced. Yeah. You have to, you have to accept the fact that SNC does have its place and it is important but you have to understand as well that your your sport will always be above SNC. You always. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, yeah. matter. It does not matter what you say unless your sport is actually weightlifting. Yeah. Which is, which is which, what which you need strength to be. conditioning. Yeah, which is yeah. what strength is, right? Um, then that's fine. But if yeah. you're playing an actual sport, then yeah. you need to play the sport. You don't need to, don't need to worry yeah. about it. So it's not not well, it doesn't need to be so such the a major focus doesn't need the biggest focus yeah because if you think about it if your main reason the main reason for snc coaches okay to improve performance of athletes but to also prevent as many injuries as possible throughout a season for a club or whatever yeah. if they prevent minimal injuries that means those athletes get to play maximum amount of time of the sport itself by preventing minimal injuries the maximum time spent on the sport makes the individual a better athlete for that sport. And I think a lot of people forget about this. And I think putting this across, say, for athletes as well as general population, general population should be doing, even if it's not SNC specifically, but resistance training in general, they should be applying it because as they get older, you don't want to get yeah. weaker, right? A hundred percent. 150%. So if you, if you were to sell um, 
to a 50 year old why they should resist why they should do resistance training what would you say to them why was why should they do it yeah i say i would say you see how you're squatting now and they'd be like yeah I'd be like, well, do you do you want to do you want to squat worse than than that in ten years time? And they'll probably say no. And then yeah. say, well, this is why we're doing this because we're trying to make sure that this doesn't get any worse. And yeah. if anything, you want to get it better. You want yeah. them to keep moving. You want them to be able to move without pain. Yeah. And well, that that's I guess that's what I've done really like my with general pop and and in the private sector is I've sort of been like I'm not, not going to say a rehab guy or physio because yeah. that's not what I that's not what I am. But I've yeah. definitely helped people be able to move without pain that's that's yeah. something i've done a lot of right and yeah when people people say like what why should i do this well do you like it when you bend down and your knee hurts no yeah well yeah, yeah. let's let's try and move and fix it so that you can move without that pain and then also when you get older you will hopefully prevent any of any injuries from happening or any pains from from coming on when you yeah. get older you know you know that's, what you know i didn't even know this but a lot of old people died just from like falling yeah i didn't even yeah. know this you know and i'm like i don't want to be that person i'm hitting that gym i want that i want i want those dense bones and be able to stand up on my own i don't want to rely on yeah. my little no. bastard grandchild <laughs> to come and make fun of me bruv i want to be yeah no no choking him out guillotine the shit out of him <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no you're right though it's 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 that but again like it, it goes back to what we said at the very beginning of like how do you convey your message to your clientele base and, and the people that you're training? How do you get them on board? How are you getting the buy-in from them? Um, yeah. And um, I think it, it's going to take a special person to deal with all types of different uh, population groups. You know, I don't really have older elderly population. I don't train many people like that. Yeah. Um, but Any, anyone that you train now is going to be in a better position when they're exactly. Older. Fact. exactly 100 yeah. percent. yeah yeah um and um yeah actually you know what i just came to my mind when you're talking about we're talking about like if it's bro not broke don't fix it and and people who are in who, who might move a specific way and not trying to fix it up i only yeah. thought about this just because i've been talking a lot with this boxer recently and if you look at lot how if you look at how boxers stand like their posture yeah. it's terrible yeah it's yeah, actually yeah. terrible their shoulders their shoulders are like this man it's like yeah. Over. Yeah, like, right. what are you doing yeah so they've got like fully internally rotated um forward shoulders but and if if you're an snc coach or if you were like you know someone who was specializing in posture you come in and say oh my god you need to go do some more external rotation open up your shoulders and yeah. you know, do thoracic extensions and overhead shoulder circles and blah blah, yeah. blah which is okay cool yeah but maybe he needs to be in that position because that's the way his sport demands him to be 100 you know? percent. Um, so I think people who are in particular like general pop and amateur athletes, you know, if it's, it's not, if it's not hurting you, if it's something that isn't, um, isn't like getting in the way of your day-to-day -day life, then yeah. you need it just it might not need to make a big change. You know, you know yeah. it might, it's like, might not be something you need to address. Maybe you yeah. Yeah, focus on other things, but um, yeah. You know, um, uh, when you were back in Australia, I remember you had the the academy when you were coaching kids. How many kids yeah. did you have there? Oh, mate. Well, I had, we were working with, what, two primary schools and two, uh, like, youth uh, footy clubs or AFL clubs. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then we ran our own little, like, 
private one for just individual kids. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember that. And I remember you, um, and I remember like even talking with you, I think this was like a few years ago, we spoke about even like looking at kids now, like some kids, they don't even know how to run me. They're so busy playing bloody PlayStation. It's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. I feel like our age group, like we're kind of, we're, we're all in the, we got exposed to social media and everything in like the right time where we got yes. to be a child. Yeah. Yeah. And then also like experience that at the same time. Yeah. What, what would you say, like should kids and teenagers be lifting? What should they be doing? Because at the end of the day, if a kid comes up to you, if you're training a youth athlete or a kid or a parent, that wants their kid to be an athlete or just be a healthy individual. It's not yeah. like you're going to get them to do a bloody clean and jerk. No, that's right. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. First of all, I want to say like, it, it is really, it is really like sad. It, it is sad. And it, it like hurts deep down in, <laughs> in my body when I walk down the street and I see a fat kid, young kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fat a fat kid. kid. Even yeah. like, I mean, um, D and I saw this the other day. There was remember the kid who was on the Segway on that like little. Oh man, that oh that annoyed me so much, man. So uh, if you if you're a parent, if you're a parent, like you, I know you want to buy your kids toys and things to play with, but like, get give them moving. stuff that yeah, get them stuff that's gonna get them moving, not a Segway or like an electric scooter. Like, come on, I think you yeah. think that's like so damaging to your kid. You know what? You know? That dro- that drove me crazy because like that. The kid had a Segway. How old was he? I don't know. Maybe like eight, nine. Eight, eight yeah. nine years old. This kid, for you guys that are listening, um, he was like eight, nine years old. He was on the Segway just running around chasing his friend on a bike. The, the kid that was on a bike was like a slim, slimmer kid. It was fit. He's obviously moving more. Yeah. And the kid on the Segway was so young and he was so overweight. And all I could think was that those parents should chuck that bloody Segway away so yeah. he can bloody move more. Yeah, I mean, and small things like that, small habits like that, make such a long way. Yeah, hundred percent. The foundations of uh, what a kid should be like, more more active, or not a kid, everyone, everyone should. Everyone, yeah, but that, but that's it. And then, like you said, should they? Well, you asked me if if they should be lifting, if they should be doing Olympic lifting or you know training, weightlifting. I'm, I mean, there there is evidence to show that there doesn't affect doesn't stunt kids growth if it's done properly yeah. and if it's done in a controlled way yeah. um do i think they should be lifting every single day no i don't yeah. um do i think that you're doing one rep max squats no but <laughs> yeah. i think they should be doing stuff that's gonna ingrain good healthy habits and ingrain good movement patterns for that kid yeah you know? so um even as basic as like motor skills like catching a tennis ball getting them to do a stock squat yeah. with a stick or you know that, stuff that, like that's that. what we did that's what we did with these young kids you know like even just use mini bands like resistance bands are enough resistance for kids you know? yeah um but yeah like when i when i used to work with young kids back home actually a young boy i um spent a lot of time with working he was at the time i met him he was nine years old i think nine or eight years old yeah uh davy and like really good kid like used to come to all my training sessions like loved it he used to come train with older boys as well he was a good kid but he had the drive and the mentality to push but yeah, I wasn't going and getting doing box, like, you know, dumbbell box squats. He was just learning how to like move his body in the way in the, in the movement of a squat. Then he would learn how to move his body in the way of a hip hinge and then yeah. do some jumps, learn how to land. Um, and then when he's, and then when he's throws. old enough, you add the intensity. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Right. But 
then then it means like later on when he yeah when he's older i won't have to go back and teach him those things i'll say to him okay davey we're going to do a squat he'll know what a squat movement is i'll say davey we're now to do, we're going to do an rdl or a deadlift yeah it's a hip hinge pattern he'll know what to do yeah you know? and uh yeah again like we talked about it's about injury prevention and getting them to, to move better and that's yeah. and, and that's part of it it's part of that that's part of um yeah the training yeah with um now on social media there's a lot of a lot of pts a lot of individuals a lot of shit pts they post some mad things on there right and like a lot of people watch these right especially with people with high uh with a lot of following and there's also there's a lot of people with high followings that i believe that don't know well enough to even put things out to because people do watch it and listen now should people be looking at I don't know, say an exercise movement on a video that's been posted on Instagram by an influencer and to apply it the exact same way. Should people be doing what they see on Instagram? What do you think? I, I personally don't think that they should. Yeah, I personally don't think that they should. I think if it's, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because you see like, you know, bodyweight circuits for people put online and yeah, cool. You know, like if, if it's something you want to copy and follow, like go ahead, do it. Um, people giving instructional videos how to use a band. If it's an instructional video of how to use something and explain yeah. why you should be doing it, yeah, all right, cool. But if the guy's doing, can like you put the mic a little? Can you put the mic a little bit closer? Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. yeah. If if um if the videos are going and doing like um yeah like ridiculous stuff, um, you know like triple spin single leg lands onto <laughs> your pinky and then doing a backflip yeah. like. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to do that stuff. You know, it's not. It's yeah. not important. And I don't. I don't care if like someone with two million followers, a coach, two million followers, posted it and said like, "Oh yeah, my basketball athlete can do this." And it doesn't. That doesn't matter. It's. It's irrelevant. It's not. Yeah. You, as an individual watching this, need to like everyone needs to have a better filter. I think of what they see on Instagram, not just with training, but with everything. Yeah. With everything, you need to question everything you see yeah. on Instagram. You know, hundred percent. Um. Like a, a perfect example is like, um, is, is videos you see of the police and, and, you know, incidences you see from, from like news sources, you know, we got to question all that stuff we see too. Yeah. But in regards to training. Yeah. We have to filter it and say like, is this relevant to me? Yeah. Is this going to make me achieve my goal? What I really want to achieve? Is it going to be better or is it just look cool? Yeah. You know? Um, and am I going to be able to, am I actually going to be able to do it? Do I have the physical capabilities of being able to do that? Yeah. If you don't, then, then there's no yeah. real point. And if you don't, and if you don't, you should ask a, a, a link that you trust. That, that as well. Right. So I would, I think instead of people going on people's profiles and copying stuff and taking it and trying to do it on their own, I think people should be, if you like what somebody's posting, if you, if you think these, these exercises are cool, if these drills are nice, Drop them a message, you know, drop them a message and say, why should I, really, I do this? Yeah. I really appreciate that video you put up of that triple backflip landing on a pinky finger. Now, can you teach me what I need to do to be able to do that? Or like, mm. what is it? What, what, what do I need to do to be able to do that video? What, and I, if it's a good coach, they should be able to say to you, okay, you need to have the ability to do X, Y, Z exercise. You know, I don't know, single leg, you need to be able to land single leg and do that proficiently. Then you need to be able to, I don't know, whatever it is, they should be able to explain to you what like the requirements are to be able to do that drill exercise. Yeah. And then if you can't, they should be able to say to you, okay, well, you know, practice this. 
that's what mm. I do anyway. If someone, mm. if someone comes to me and say like, oh, I don't know how to do a clean. So, well, you know, you need to start with this first, work to that, do that. And then we progress. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. Nick. That's my man. It's been great having you on, man. I want another beer. Yeah. I want another beer as well, but I'm going to drive up to my dad's place, innit? Get her some shish kebab, two, two, two chicken shish, chili sauce, garlic, Ooh. and some, some food, man, or some food. But yes. I just want to say thank you for coming on, man. This was great. I can't wait to be in the studio. Get Ali in as well. Get yeah. Ali in as well. Can you we'll please? have to get a high chair for him. We have to get a high chair for Ali, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we just talk over him when he's talking shit. <laughs> can, um, all right. Can you tell people where they can find you if they want to check out your stuff? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Coach Nick Garcia. And I'm... Like Darren said, I'm living in London. So if you want to do a session out in, in London, I'm in the west side of London in like Maidavale, Paddington area. Yeah. Um, doing outdoor stuff, online stuff. Um, west so, side. Yeah, west, <laughs> west side. And uh, yeah, so if, if you need anything, just hit me up. And boom. Okay. Thank you for coming on, bro. For you, guys that, for you guys that are listening, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share. Check out Nick's profile. Tell your friends about my podcast and tell them Diren Cartel is the London version of Joe Rogan, but better and more handsome. Peace and love.